1: It's the Opperman Report, and now here is Investigator Ed Opperman.
2: Okay, welcome to the Opperman Report. I'm your host, private investigator Ed Opperman, and this show is brought to you by emailrevealer.com. You can go to emailrevealer.com, get an autographed copy of my book, How to Become a Successful Private Investigator, but also to all different kinds of services like uh, the online infidelity investigation. You give us your spouse's email address, we trace it back to online dating websites and personal ads, catfish investigations, asset searches, background reports, all kinds of different services at emailrevealer.com. I'm really excited about today's show. We have a a real hero, uh, Juanita Broderick, uh, and she just came out with a new book, You'd Better Put Some Ice on That, How I Survived Being Raped by Bill Clinton. This book is just fresh off the presses. The inks barely dry. It's barely a week old. Uh, So finally, we can have She's been on the show before, but I wasn't available that weekend. We had uh, William Ramsey do the interview. So my first time meeting uh, Juanita Broderick, and it's a pleasure. Uh, Juanita, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Ed. God bless it. I love that voice. That's, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> tell us about yourself. Before we get into all this stuff about this book and these Clintons, um, tell us about who is Juanita Broderick. Uh, tell us about yourself first. Yeah,
1: Juanita Broderick. Uh, worked for years in her own business. I was a registered nurse, and I owned and operated uh, two nursing facilities. One was for geriatrics, And the other was for severely handicapped and mentally uh, disabled children. And it was a wonderful life. I enjoyed it. Uh, It it was great. I sold my facilities back in 2008, and now I'm retired and stay on the tennis court a lot of times.
2: Ah, very nice. And you still live in Arkansas? Yes, still in my same hometown. Okay, God bless you. And I I bet grandkids, you got grandkids?
1: Oh, I've got one most adorable grandchild that that ever lived. Of course, everybody (laughs) always says that. But he's just the light of my life, he and his father.
2: Okay, great. You got the best one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) we need a brother. My son is
1: an attorney here. Okay.
2: Well, that must come in handy, right, with all the problems you've had. Now um
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> especially yeah, especially when Andrea Mitchell said discredited regarding my story and he had to write a letter to NBC. <laughs> you
2: know that Andrea Mitchell, you know, it's so disappointing. Uh Someone with, with such a long career would just uh, sell herself down to the Clintons like that, The way, uh, especially during the campaign. Uh, very disappointing. Uh, but Juanita Broadrick, you can find her story at JuanitaBroadrick.com. And it's not spelled like the Broadrick like everybody thinks. It's B-R-O-A-D-D-R-I-C-K. And if you're in Vegas here, by the way, too, so I've got a big Vegas audience. She's going to be in town next week, the 19th and the 20th, uh, first for a meet and greet over at the Trump Hotel, and then over at 555 East Washington at the Veterans Memorial uh so l- looking forward to that that'll be coming up on January 19th and 20th now the book just right. came out how's the the book is just the, the ink still wet okay how's the book being received <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's being received
1: great if we could just get cooperation from Amazon. That's my biggest problem right now is them holding orders and pulling my post and having to put a second one up. But we're still working on that.
2: Yeah, explain what's going on with that because you think this would be a, a – like they wouldn't dare touch this. Uh, but it seems like they're running some the affairs. Yeah. I,
1: I, so confusing to us, Ed. We were rated in the top 10 uh, two days ago, and then all of a sudden it just disappeared. And we keep asking why. We had to rush and get a second one up. But when we put the second one up, it lost all of its bestseller ratings, and they will not tell us why they pulled it. It's It's absolutely so
2: discouraging. But we know that uh, Jeff Bezos is a supporter of the Clintons, and we know about their influence around the world, and, uh, and the things disappearing around the Clintons is, is commonplace. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah it's but,
1: sad to say, isn't it? Yeah. So
2: tonight you're going to be on Hannity or Sean Hannity, right?
1: Well, no, I won't be on the TV. I'll be on his, uh, we're going to tape at one, uh, and then I, he'll run it just shortly later. I'm, I'm not for sure. It's just on his radio.
2: Well, excellent. You'll definitely sell a lot of books there. I'll get you right back up there at number one um, for what's it called?
1: True, uh... Yeah, yeah he, he, he's a good guy.
2: Give us an idea. Now, how did you first run across the Clintons and Bill Clinton way back in the 70s?
1: Well, back when I was running my nursing home, I got involved in his gubernatorial campaign and I began to volunteer, put out yard signs and hand out information. I was really taken with this man. He was, we all thought he was going to do such great things for Arkansas and I wanted to support him. And then one day the, uh, uh, office in Little Rock, his state campaign office called. And asked if he could come by my nursing home on a campaign tour in our area and that's when I first met him and uh uh we had pictures taken and it was real it was real exciting for us to have him at our nursing home and so he came over and began to talk to me after we had the photo ops and began to talk to me about my nursing home. And you know, Ed, a light bulb went off in my head. I thought, you know, I need to tell him how we're struggling in Arkansas. The the reimbursement rate was so low and couldn't begin to cover all the costs we were experiencing. And he just sort of lit up and said, you know, I'd like to talk to you about that sometime. He said, are you ever in Little Rock? And I told him, yes, I'd be there in two or three weeks at a nursing home seminar that I was bringing my director of nursing to. And so that's how it all evolved and how I ended up in Little Rock.
2: Now, he was running for governor at the time. He wasn't even governor yet. No, he was attorney general. Attorney general, okay. Now, now did you, did you think he was coming on to you at that point, the, the whole meeting in, in uh, Arkansas? Oh
1: no! I didn't know anything about his reputation, and his, it was just beginning to develop at that time. I'm sure there were stories out there, but I'd never heard them. I was very respectful of him and thrilled at the opportunity to get to talk to him.
2: And at the time, you were a Democrat, huh? Yes. And, and yes. so, and this, very much so. and it was this experience with Bill Clinton that's totally turned you off the Democrats.
1: No. Uh it didn't it didn't then. In
2: fact I
1: supported and and gave a lot to the Obama really? uh campaign when he was running for, running against Hillary. I would do anything to be against <laughs> Hillary. Clinton. That, yeah. So yeah, I got very involved in his first term and donated a considerable amount, probably five thousand dollars. To his campaign. And, uh, but then by the time the second uh, uh, campaign came around, I didn't even vote. I was so disillusioned with him.
2: Yeah, that was a disappointment. Yeah. But, uh, but don't tell Hannity you you donated to Obama. (laughs) (laughs) Explode. explode?
1: Yeah. Ed, I would have done anything to to defeat her, you know.
2: And I hear you. I was a big Bernie supporter in the the last one. And and, and the Clintons totally stole. They they totally robbed uh, Bernie here in Nevada. It was uh, outrageous uh, what went on there. Now, so you go to Little Rock and you run into Clinton again. Give us an idea what happened at that occasion. Sure. Um,
1: My nurse, Norma Rogers, and I went down on... April the twenty fourth, nineteen seventy eight. Checked into our hotel, and then the next morning when we got up, I called his campaign office, and a young lady answered, and I told her who I was, and she said, "Oh, Mississippi," she said, uh, "Mr. Clinton said if you ever called, be sure and call this number," which I immediately called, and he answered the phone. And I told him, I said, I'm here, and I brought all these. I worked on graphs and everything imaginable to show him what the costs were and what we were being reimbursed. I was so excited about showing this to him. And so he said, I said, can we run over at noon to your campaign headquarters because we'll be off for an hour uh, from the seminar? And he said, you know, I'm not going to be there today. He said, I'll just come to your hotel now. He said, uh, we can meet down in the uh, coffee shop. And I was thrilled. I thought, well, great. He's coming over here. Uh So I told Norma, I said, you go on to the meeting. And as soon as I'm through in the coffee shop, I'll be right on to the meeting. So that's how that transpired. And he said, I'll call you when I get there. Mm-hmm. Well, lo and behold, he called about 10 or 15 minutes after normal left for the seminar. And he said, you know, Juanita, he said, there's so many people down here, and it's so crowded, and there's even reporters down here. Can we just have coffee and discuss this in your room? And we're talking 40 years ago. I'm sure I was a little alarmed. But Bill Clinton was the attorney general of the state of Arkansas and I didn't think I had anything to fear from him. So I told him, Yes, that'd be just fine. I'll order coffee to the room and and uh uh he said, Well I'm talking to someone, I'll be up shortly. So the coffee came and shortly thereafter, a knock on the door and he came in, um I showed him over to the table by the window that uh, looked out onto the river. It's just a beautiful view. And started to pour our coffee, you know, coffee we never drank. Mm. And uh, things progressed from there. He was very cordial, very nice in the beginning. And I started to pick up my file to start to show him things. And he then he began to point down to the river at a um, little old dilapidated building and he started saying you know when i become governor not if but when i become governor i'd like to restore that it was an 1800 jailhouse and he said i think that would be an interesting visitor site." and so he motioned for me to come over to him and when i did he sort of put his arm around my shoulder to point to the building and that's when i started to get uncomfortable And that's when things started to progress. He started to try to kiss me, and I pushed him away. But um, the man wouldn't take no for an answer. It It got
2: worse from there. And and you were a married woman.
1: Yes. But, you know, I was also a woman who was about to get into a divorce and having an affair with another man. And I tried to explain that to him, that no, this is not what I want. You know, I have things going on in my life, and I came here to show you this information. But that didn't help, Ed, at all.
2: Now, I've talked to a lot of the people who knew Clinton back in those days, and there's all the stuff you hear about me in Arkansas, and then, you know, the Iran-Contra and all that funny business going on. Uh, what you, some people say that he was using cocaine at the time. Do you think he might have been using coke? One of the ladies,
1: and I can't say her name, because she was having an affair with him um, around the time of the rape, you know, and afterwards. And I spoke to her one time, and I said, why on earth would he do that to me when it was such a, a violation, and he had other women that he could go to for that such thing? I mean, I didn't want it. And she said, you know, he was using so much
2: cocaine at the time.
1: But I I don't know if that's true. I have no idea. That's just what she told me.
2: And and this is one of the well-known women that was uh, uh, associated with Clinton at the time? Like her name is public? Yeah. Okay. Because I think I've talked to all of them. Uh, And uh, it does seem like he was using a lot of coke at the time. Okay, so now go ahead the incident was was brutal and violent right there was no romance in this whatsoever
1: oh my god no i you know even even being a registered nurse i had never known anyone close to me or anywhere that had suffered anything like this this was completely unknown to me and violent and you know and after the rape was over I was I was set up on the side of the bed, still in shock, not believing what had happened to me. And I'm sitting there crying and he looks at me in with this look of frustration and bewilderment and 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 says He says, I'm sterile. I had mumps when I was a child. Mm, Now, if that wasn't the most bizarre thing, you could say to someone that you're just raped. I wasn't concerned about anything like that. I was concerned about being so violently raped.
2: Hey, guys, I got a great new deal for you. It's called Factor. America's number one ready to eat meal delivery service. Now I want you to take out a pen and paper and write down Opperman 50 O P E R M A N 50. Now fact is delicious ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes, you'll be ready with pre-prepared chef-crafted and dietitian-approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, Calorie Smart, Vegan Veggie, and more. Uh There's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factors' restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. Snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. Flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or schedule your deliveries anytime. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, no cooking, no cleanup needed. Now head to factormeals.com front slash Opperman 50. And then you use code Opperman 50 to get 50% off. That's code Opperman 50 at factormeals.com front slash Opperman 50. opperman 5 to get 50% off. And during the attack, he had this. He was doing this thing where he was biting on your lip, as as well as pushing you down at the yeah. same time. Yeah.
1: Right, right. He pushed down. In fact, I had bruises on my left shoulder where he would push down, and then he would start to bite my lip if I yelled uh-huh. or if I resisted. My lip by the time this horrible incident was over, was swollen probably twice the size. It ended up being much larger and was bleeding. And there I sat on the bed, and he had no remorse. It was just like it was an everyday occurrence. And he looks at me, puts on his suit coat, walks to the door, puts on his sunglass very casually, and Motions to me said, you better get some ice on that.
2: Referring to your lip. Yes. Now you, you gotta, yeah, you got to think, too. It's such an unusual uh, a physical restraint move. You know, I wouldn't think of it. Uh, this would have to be something he had practiced before and done previously, because who would come up with, with an idea like that?
1: Well, Elizabeth Grayson Ward said she suffered the same thing.
2: Really? Okay, I didn't know that. And it yeah. was prior to you or after yeah. you? I'm sorry. Was that prior to your rape or after your rape?
1: After after mine and even though she said that it was consensual, she remarked about the lip biting.
2: Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, now, what about out of all the women uh, there was a lot of a uh, Has anybody else come forward with a with a brutal rape like this as you described? No,
1: approximately a year, somewhere within a year after my Dateline interviewed showed, I had a lady follow me out of Walmart. And uh, she said, beautiful, beautiful blonde lady, probably close to my age, a little younger. And she, she hollered my name and she said, I just want to tell you what happened to me. And she began to tell her story. And she was at, she was, she and her husband were friends with the Clintons and she was at a gala at one of the hotels in Little Rock. And she said she went to the restroom and Bill Clinton, she said was drunk and followed her in there and smashed her up against a wall, started to tear at her clothing. And she said she doesn't think she would have been able to stop the abuse and the assault had another lady not walked in the restroom and I said why didn't you come forward she said I just went back and told my husband and we left she said he would never allow me to come forward
2: now after your incident though uh, people did witness your injuries right and saw how upset you were
1: oh yeah you know after the right I went to the door and I locked it because I had this feeling like somebody's going to come in and get rid of me. Mm-hmm. This is just, this is absolutely astounding that this could happen. And I laid back down, and I don't know how much time went by 30 minutes, 45. Uh, minutes or so. I hear a knock on the door and I go to it and it's Norma. I had completely forgotten about her and the seminar. I just wanted to lay down, go to sleep and wake up and think that, you know, maybe this didn't happen. And I opened the door and she saw me still in the same state and she came rushing in and I started crying all over again. Mm -hmm. And I explained to her what had happened. And I'll, I'll never forget how kind she was. She was my friend, and she got eyes from my mouth, and she said, what do you want to do? And I said, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. So she packed up everything, helped me change clothes, and we left for home.
2: Yeah, and in the 70s, even if it wasn't a powerful man like Clinton, it was still a difficult uh scandalous like you know it's shameful to, to report a rape you know it was a uh, and it wasn't handled very well by the police back in those days either The the cops are, would men would come and, and uh, uh, right away oh, it was a yeah. whole different time people need to understand
1: that <sighs> was, and he was the police right <laughs> he was the attorney general, and there's no way I could have come forward. It was the attitude back then in the 70s, uh, men will be men, just deal with it. And that's what we did, Ed. That's what
2: we did. Now, I'm 55 years old. I'm very familiar with the culture I was back in those days. Yeah. Now, uh, did you? Yeah. who else did you tell besides uh, Ms. Rogers?
1: Well, we told her sister shortly after we got back. They both worked for me uh Norma Rogers was my director of nursing and her sister, Jean Darden, was my assistant director of nursing. And so we told her almost immediately. And then I told my friend, uh uh Susan Lewis, uh she I was the godmother of her children, and I told her shortly thereafter, and then my nursing friends, Louise Ma and Kathleen um Krigler. I told both of them and of course I told the man that I was having the affair with. I didn't tell my husband at the time because we weren't really speaking that much and we were on the verge of divorce and he would have blamed me also.
2: Oh boy. I'd say what a, what a horrible uh, situation to go through.
1: Yeah. Thing too is Bill Clinton regulated
2: my nursing
1: home as attorney general and then as governor. He could have put me out of business.
2: Yeah, that's true, too. I never even considered that. Now, uh, w- w- did you ever have any contact again with Clinton uh, um, after that? Did he call you or anything?
1: Yes, in ninety one. Now, in 1984, I received a letter from him. Uh, well, uh, let me back, back step here just a little bit. After I returned home, he would call me at my nursing home. He would call, and I would tell my assistant, which was very uncomfortable because she didn't know the situation, and she would come to me, and she said, Bill Clinton's on the phone, and I said, well, tell him I'm busy. I I can't come to the phone right now. This happened two or three times, and then the final time that he called, I happened to answer the phone, and he had the audacity to say to me, hi, this is Bill Clinton, when are you coming to Little Rock again? Oh and God. I just hung up. I, can you believe he would say that to me?
2: It, it's just fascinating. You have to wonder what what is going on in his mind, and and the, his whole life is a life of evil. You know, it's just a life of evil. I know. It's just like it's just like this is my
1: right. Right. <laughs> I have the right to rape you, and you be quiet about it.
2: Now, all the time, uh, the interaction you had with Clint, did he ever mention his wife? That he was married, and uh, you know, had any kind of relationship with his wife? No. Never he
1: her up. He Never mentioned her. Never brought he her. He never mentioned her, and I had no idea that it wasn't at that time. I didn't know that they didn't have a good relationship. I just couldn't understand why he did that to me.
2: Now, the story started getting out. There were rumors about this going on. How did that come about? You think the women you told um, started sharing with others?
1: I don't know. Back in uh, the mid-'90s, a gentleman that used to come to our home as a salesman, his name was Philip Yoakum. He was close friends with... uh, that guy that ran for governor, his name, Nelson um, something or other, uh, Sheffield Nelson. And they got together and wrote a letter to the media stating that they, because they did not want Bill Clinton to succeed as president. Right. And they wrote a letter to the media stating that I had been bought off by Bill Clinton, but this rape did occur. And that's what caused a lot of media up, you know, uproar uh, in the mid
2: nineties. Okay. Oh, and just to clarify that you've never been paid any money by the Clintons.
1: Oh no, absolutely. I, I would never have, you know, that that's just, that's just unimaginable to me.
2: It's like insult to injury, you know? Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Right.
1: Oh, I was financially secure. You know, I certainly didn't need anyone's money to be quiet. It's just something that I chose to do because I blame myself for allowing that
2: monster to come to my room. What about any kind of threats or intimidation?
1: Well, the only thing that I had was that letter that I received from Bill Clinton in 1984, I had received uh, an award from the state for being the best nursing home in the state. And across the bottom of it, Bill Clinton scrolls, I admire you very much, Bill. And I took that as thank you for being quiet. Mm. I did take it as sort of a threat. And then of course, Uh, After, about three weeks after the rape, I had the misfortune of meeting Hillary Clinton uh, at a fundraiser that uh, I had helped arrange in this area at my friend's home. And after the rape, I had told my friends, Buddy and Betty Chriswell. Betty and I played tennis together, and Buddy was my my dentist. And I had helped arrange this wonderful fundraiser for Bill Clinton at their home. And I told them that I wasn't going to be able to attend and that, you know, I'd had something come up. And they were very understanding. But I told them I had some checks that uh That were written to the Clinton campaign, and I would bring those up before the fundraiser, so I went ahead up there, had no plans whatsoever to say for the event, did not want to see Bill Clinton and didn't know Hillary um and, but before I could get out of there, my friend Chuck Watts, he was a local pharmacist who drove them from the airport to the Criswell home. And he rushes over to me. I see him coming in the back door and he said, I just want to let you know that the topic of the conversation all the way from the airport was the Clintons asking me questions about you. And man, I just froze, and I tried to think way anyway just to get out of there as quick as I could. About that time, here comes the Clintons through the back kitchen area, oh. and I see a lady pointing at me with the standing with Hillary, and here she comes. I couldn't make it to the door, she was between me and the door, and here she comes straight for me. And I must tell you, as she started toward me, the thoughts in my mind was here comes that poor lady that's married to that horrible rapist and just hold that thought. (laughs) And so here she comes to me, takes a hold of my hand and begins to say, it's so nice to meet you. I just want to tell you how appreciative that Bill and I are for everything you do for the campaign. And I, I nodded, and I thought, I've got to get out of here. So I turn to walk away, and all of a sudden, I feel someone grab me from behind. And I thought it was somebody going to tell me goodbye. I turn around, and it's Hillary. Hmm. And she pulled me close to her, and that beautiful smile has faded, and it's now a very angry look. And she very quietly says to me, do you understand everything you do? I could have have fainted right at that moment, and I jerked my arm from hers, and I left.
2: Okay. Now, I take from that that there could be no doubt in your mind that Hillary was aware of the rape.
1: I don't know. At the moment, people keep asking me about that. Right. At the moment, I knew she knew, but I don't know if she thought it was consensual or rape. I really don't know, but at that moment in time, I thought she knew.
2: She was absolutely aware that you were keeping something quiet. Yes. Yeah. Oh I tell you, you I do a lot of interviews, you know, I'm a private investigator, I've interviewed a lot of witnesses, and uh, every single word coming out of your mouth has the absolute ring of truth. You know, Uh, just no doubt in my mind.
1: You You know, know, I say it when I'm talking with with uh, interviewers like you, and I, I, I look, I, I think back about to that moment in time because there's nothing that can erase that from my mind, and I just relate what happened,
2: right? And, and the detail, you know, there's just a lot of little indicators. Now, now, how did your story finally come out? Because it wasn't willingly. This it's wasn't Paula Jones. Paula
1: Jones. Yeah, Ed, I probably would never have come out. I was doing great financially. Everything was going, you know, well in my life. I had remarried, and everything was wonderful. And then all of a sudden, I get notification from the Paula Jones lawsuit that I had been named as Jane Doe number 5. I was irate. I didn't know Paula Jones at the time, but I was angry that I was being outed and drawn into her lawsuit.
2: And did you have to take a deposition what happened?
1: Yes, and I denied it.
2: You denied in you know, the deposition, right?
1: I, I was not, I was not about to be pulled into this unwillingly. And I denied it. And of course the Clinton uh attorneys were there at that deposition and were just you could just see the smiles on their face and that was hard, you know, knowing that I was denying that the most horrific event of my life. And then I w- And so I wasn't called in the Paula Jones suit. I did what I needed to do to stay out of it. And then, of course, as you know, I was uh, deposed by Ken Starr. Right. And before I showed up at my attorney's office for that deposition,
2: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot someday.
0: anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com. no purchase necessary vdw void are prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus my son who's an attorney came
1: to me and said mom paula jones suit was civil he said this is federal he said you've got to go ahead and tell the truth and i said i just can't i can't he said i know i know but you have to so that's what happened
2: and and they gave you immunity too to get to, so you wouldn't have a problem with the perjury charges in the original uh, uh, deposition, Prom. right? Which isn't normal.
1: right. Now, yeah, that, that I didn't really care about that. I just wanted to get the truth out. Finally, get the truth out. Be a be brave and do it. You know, I I just didn't have a choice.
2: Now, in your interaction with Ken Starr. A lot of people, because uh, if you look at the history of Ken Starr, a lot of people think that he was running interference for the Clintons. Did you ever get that impression?
1: No, I didn't, because I worked mainly through Dave Shipper. Dave was so nice. I mean, he even wrote, uh, the most wonderful autograph in, uh, his book fell out and sent that to me. It, it was just tremendous. Dave always believed me. And if you, have you read sell
2: out? No, I haven't, I haven't even heard of it now.
1: Oh, Dave Kipper's book. He was the, uh, lead counsel on the, uh, Ken for Ken star in investigating all of the women. Okay. And, uh, it was just awesome about how he tried to get the Democrats to read my field file, you know, at, in Congress, and uh, they they wouldn't do it at all.
2: Now, what was the, the, the public's reaction during the Ken Starr investigation when, when you came out? Uh, how were you received then?
1: Very well. Very well by the public, uh, not very well by, you know, the Democrats, uh, but very well by the by the general public. Much, much positive reviews. Got very few negative reviews just, just today. You know, I'll get a few today that are just absolutely horrible. But I just delete those and and go on and try to keep positive.
2: And the media, the Clintons seem to have an unbelievable influence over the media that they can just do no wrong. Uh, What's been your experience with that? I
1: have no idea unless a lot of the media were involved in all of the money dealings of the Clintons, I just I absolutely do not understand it to this day. I was shocked when the young lady Goldberg for New York Times came out with her op-ed, oh, what, two or three months ago, and said, I believe Juanita.
2: Mm. And and Joe Scarborough just came out, too. Joe, Joe Scarborough just came out the other morning and said he believed you.
1: I know. And, you know, I watched that. Uh, on uh, YouTube, and he goes along for three and a half minutes, just blasting Trump, and then out in left field comes this statement of his conversations he'd had with the Democrats. That believe me. I, I that was wild. I was surprised that he still had a job with MSNBC the next morning.
2: Well, you know, I tell you, I'm no fan of Trump. I'm no fan of Trump whatsoever. But so still, you, you can still believe Anita Broderick. You can still hate the Clintons and know what they are because well, it's as is as the nose God. on your face. <laughs> you know what I mean? And right. still, I like you know, I feel about Trump. I feel
1: about Trump like um, uh, James Woods tweeted. Uh, he said, "Trump may be vinegar." but Hillary is arsenic. True. That's what he tweeted before the
2: election. Well, what do you make of this thing last night with Trump making these horrible comments about the the Haitians and the Africans and stuff? It's just so, uh, what do you, what do you, just, oh, I, you know what, I, I'm not even going to ask you that because you cause know what, what? good. I, huh? I'm not even going to ask you that because you're going to be a guest in his uh, hotel next week and I don't want to put you on the spot. Oh,
1: that's, that's okay. I just wish that he would have better control, mm-hmm. you know, of what he says. So many times in the past he's made horrible comments and then in a week or two they seem to work themselves out and many times he's right but I just wish that he would I know he works hard I know he does I have no doubt that he's a hard-working man but he just needs to curtail what he says how many times have you met with Trump uh, twice
2: and this was at the debate yes. uh, That event at the debate yes. there
1: yeah, just before the debate and after the debate.
2: Oh, that's a good question. And now, when you were there at that debate, and that piece of garbage comes walking in, and you could see the look on his face—he was very nervous. Uh, did did you ever make eye contact with the with Bill Clinton at that debate?
1: No, not because it's because the way we were sitting. Uh, and I explained that in my book that we were sitting where we had to pivot to the right between the camera platform and a huge American flag, and we could see through there, but we couldn 't exactly see him, but we knew where he was. but let me tell you this: that picture that you see of him yeah. with his eyes bugged out, he had no idea we were going to be there until we walked in
2: so he saw you
1: and. Until he saw us, yes, Kathleen, Willie, and and uh, Kathy Shelton and Paula Jones and myself, uh, we were hidden, you know, the entire day, and no one knew we were going to be there.
2: Now that was right around the same time as the Access Hollywood tape. It came out, right.
1: Right. And I was, oh, I had so much grief over that from my son. Uh, I had been in Breitbart uh, at, at Breitbart uh, for an interview at the uh, Watergate Hotel, the old Watergate. And as I was leaving Washington, I get a call from uh, Trump's people asking me to be at the debate the following day. And it was five o'clock in the evening and I was on my way to Arkansas. And I told him I'd have to think about it, and I'd call him during my layover in in Dallas. And I got to thinking about it, you know, that tapes just come out. I was just so hurt about those things that he said. But I got to thinking. We've been told to go away for so many years. And this was our opportunity to come forward in such a public forum, to be heard again. So I agreed to go. Got home about 1 o'clock in the morning, got back on a plane at 6 that morning uh, for St. Louis, and uh, was hidden (laughs) the whole time until we left to go to Trump's hotel to meet him.
2: And and how did that go when you you met with him?
1: It was wonderful. He was so soft-spoken and so kind, came over to each of us. When we got there, we were taken up through a service elevator and met him on the top floor uh, in this beautiful big room. It was just very nice. And he came over to each one of us. And uh, then all of a sudden, somebody says, well, let's go into this room. And I looked at Kathleen Willie; She's a good friend. And I said, is this where we go out? And uh, so she said, I don't know. So we followed him in there. And here's this long table. And they tell us where to sit. And I thought, well, what is this all about? And so they tell us where to sit. Mr. Trump comes in and sits in between us. And I'm looking around thinking, what's going on? And then about that time, uh, Mr. Trump says, let them in. And all of a sudden, in the door comes all these cameras and reporters. And I turned to her and I said, what's going on? We had no idea oh my God. that there was going to be a press conference. None whatsoever. Um, and so all of a sudden they come in and Mr. Trump says, these ladies have something they'd like to say to you. And I thought, what? <laughs> we had no idea that we were supposed to speak. Now, whether this was planned or someone forgot to tell us, I still do not know to this day, but it's something to do again. You know, I would do anything to um, help Mr. Trump defeat defeat Hillary and having Bill Clinton back in the White House. And so knowing that the tapes had just come out, I kept thinking, what on earth am I going to say? So I remembered uh, the day before I had tweeted, actions speak louder than words. Uh, Bill Clinton raped me. And Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton threatened me, and there's no comparison. So that's more or less where I went with that. And uh, thank goodness I was the third one to speak. And then after that, uh he will take questions. He usher, they were ushered out the door, and we were taken to the debate.
2: Fascinating. Behind the scenes. (laughs) You know, I had a little experience. (laughs) Wait, Was was Roger Stone involved in in arranging that uh, meeting, uh, getting you over there? You know, Roger says
1: he was. And, and, you know, I believe him, Uh, whether he had written the letter to Steve Bannon. uh, I had a reporter call me a while back and said, did you were you? Uh, was this arranged by Roger Stone? And I told him, I have no idea. I was called by the Trump people. I have no idea who arranged it, but I was never contacted by Roger Stone.
2: I'll tell you uh, my involvement in this. Okay, I had gotten a phone call that yeah. same, day, yeah, that same day from someone who had just got a guy in Hueno, known well, uh, and he had just gotten off the phone with Roger Snow and what they wanted from me was they wanted the contact information for Kathy O'Brien. Do you know who Kathy O'Brien is? Oh, yeah, she was there. Kathy, o- Kathy O'Brien was oh, there? No, not Kathy
1: O'Brien. Kathy yeah. Shelton. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But you know who Kathy O'Brien is? Yeah. Right. Yes, I do. So, right. So they wanted the inf- contact information for Kathy O'Brien because I guess they wanted her at that event, too. Uh, do you know anything about that?
1: My goodness.
2: I never heard that. Yeah. And then, you know what they said to me? And this guy had just gotten off the phone with Roger Stone because they came to me for, I, I interviewed Kathy O'Brien. Uh, I'm not convinced with her story, to tell you the truth. I wasn't convinced with her. uh no. um, Yeah. How about you? Yeah, thank
1: you. I, I'm not either. Yeah. But I just don't know. You know, I think she's, We should
2: respect, you know, that she be heard. Absolutely. I agree with you. you Get them on record, you know, bring them on the show, get them on record, and people can believe it or not believe it. But you know what they said to me? And they had just gotten off the phone with uh, uh, Roger Stone. They said that they thought that it was Kellyanne Conway who released the Access Hollywood tape. Did did you hear anything about that? What's that? Oh, my God. I've never heard that. <laughs> it was crazy. And this is the day of the debate. I'm getting this crazy phone call. And it was like, right? The guy just got off the phone with Roger Stone. I don't know. I don't well, know. But why would she do that? Well, you know what they actually said, too? They said it was Kellyanne Conway who did it because she's F N C I A. CIA. That's what the word that came out of his mouth. Now, don't look at me. (laughs) I'm just telling you what they said to me. (laughs) I'm just telling you what they said to me. Who knows? Who knows? I know. Now, did you, you know, when uh, I had on uh, uh, Liddy Denier, who was also a guest uh, with Trump at the debate here in Las Vegas, and... All of his guests here in Las Vegas, they were like stopped by the police and they were late to get to the thing because they were they were held up and they were held up at the screening. Did you experience anything like that, any kind of harassment preventing you from getting in there?
1: No, none whatsoever because nobody knew we were there.
2: Gotcha. Now, what about afterwards? Yeah. Any, uh, any Any problems afterwards?
1: No, none whatsoever. You know, we were very sheltered. We were driven. And uh, we were in this motorcade of about ten black Escalades that were, you know, they'd even shut down the highway for just it. Yes, so, just this motorcade.
2: So was Lady denier Uh her and the honored guests. They were all in, they were in a motorcade too with Trump and Pence on the side, uh, but they weren't allowed in. They were held up because that this that's leg that's Vegas for you. You know what I mean? The the
1: corruption in this town. The people knew they they were coming where they didn't know we were there.
2: Right. The corruption in this town is unbelievable. Uh, So people can come here, by the way, if you're in Vegas, uh, next week, the 19th and the 20th, uh, you can meet, uh, meet and greet with Juanita Broderick at the Trump Hotel, and then the next day on the 20th at 555 East Washington at the Veterans Memorial. Now, there was an incident where you were... Audited by the IRS, do you think that was a trace back to the Clintons?
1: Oh, sure, it was just two months after the uh Dateline interview, absolutely. And how'd that turn out? But you know, they did did it uh, in a a backdoor fashion. My corporation, my nursing homes, was set up under a subchapter S, but when you audit a subchapter S corporation, you get the owner.
2: So, this was a personal audit.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and how did personal t- and business?
2: And how would it turn out?
1: It turned out they owed me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. All right.
1: It wasn't much. It wasn't much, and it took a year to get
2: it. <laughs> okay. Well, I tell you, you get the last laugh every time. I tell you, I love you. Uh, what else? Yes. Is there anything I failed to ask you that uh, that you want to get out?
1: No, uh, not, not. I can't think of anything right at this moment, Ed. I just hope people will uh, take a look at my website and order my book if they think it's worthy.
2: Gotcha. Juanita Broadwick, B-R-O-A-D-D-R-I-C-K. It's not like uh, Broderick Crawford, the other one. com. The book is You'd Better Put Some Ice on That. How I Survived Being Raped by Bill Clinton. Hey, let me ask you: Did you ever hear any rumors down there in Arkansas about the uh, the cocaine and the mean of Arkansas and that kind of stuff?
1: Not, not for several years. Not until the, uh, not until he ran for president. I, you know, I just, I just kept my head down and stayed busy with my businesses. I didn't really, I didn't want to know about
2: him. Gotcha. Okay, Juanita Broderick, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. If anything ever comes up again that you need to promote or something like that, give me a call. I'll put you right on the air, okay?
0: no purchase necessary. VGW prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire.
0: Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're a delight. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Good night.
2: Well, thank you so much, Juanita Broderick, author of the book. You better put some ice on that and how I survived being raped by Bill Clinton. You could find the book uh, on Amazon. It'll be in the OppermanReport.com bookstore as well. Really enjoyed that. Uh, Juanita Broadrick is a, uh, a, a delightful woman. Her website is Juanita Broadrick, B R O A D B R I C K dot com. Uh, really delightful woman. A little conversation before the show. Uh, very, very nice one. Uh, thank you so much, Juanita Broadrick. Uh, you can catch her. She'll be here in town in Las Vegas on the 19th and the 20th, Friday and Saturday coming up. Uh, what do you call first at the Trump Hotel on Friday for a meet and greet? And then down at the uh, Veterans Memorial at 555 East Washington, check her out, Juanita Broderick. You know, uh, we were talking about how the Clintons have so much influence over the press. I I have a little experience with that as well. Besides my crazy story about the <laughs> the Roger Stone phone call about Kellyanne Conway being CIA, you know, which was just so bizarre, and then trying to get a hold of Kathy O'Brien and have Kathy O'Brien at that table too. My God, along you know, because these other people are credible witnesses, you know. We I we had uh, Kathleen Willey on the show. Uh, now we've had Juanita Broadwick on the show, but I didn't interview her. William Ramsey had interviewed her uh, as my guest host that that weekend. And I have known Paula Jones for years. I knew Paula Jones. Paula Jones never done the show, okay. And I still love Paula Jones. Uh, me and Paula Jones knew each other before I had a radio show because uh, um, we had the same agent. We had we had the same agent, <laughs> me and Paula Jones. And uh, but you know, Paula Jones doesn't like me because she says I'm not conservative enough for her. She, you know, she thinks she doesn't understand my politics. Uh, so she unfriended me on Facebook after years of being friends before she came back on the public. When I first got the show, he used to beg her to come on the show. And she wasn't doing any media back then, but then helped uh, get Trump elected. But one experience that I had uh, dealing with the press as part of the Clinton campaign when I was covering the different campaign events for the radio show. We went out to California. We rode up and down in the Bernie campaign bus. We attended all the Bernie events you know, in the press section, I'd be sitting right in between uh, the Washington Post and the LA Times, LMNOP, (laughs) LA Times, Opperman Report, Washington Post. So I'm sitting right between the Washington Post and the LA Times at our little stations there they give you. Um, So I covered Bernie, we covered Ben Carson, we covered Trump, and we went to two events with Hillary. And let me tell you something, it's like night and day, Okay. There was one event here in, in the Nevada where the, the day before we covered a Bernie event, and there were the, the crowd was like ten thousand people. They were lined up around the, the school to get into the school, and there were so many people that he he held a mini rally outside first, then came inside and did the rally for the people who were able to get in. But. And then we we did Trump uh, conventions, you know, again, big long lines and stuff like that. But the Trump ones were the most disorganized, okay? Uh, I met Hope Hicks several times, you know, just, hey, what's the Wi-Fi? (laughs) Can you please give me the Wi-Fi password? It's like I'm going to be broadcasting in a couple minutes. No one has the Wi-Fi password. Just chaos. Because they're all volunteers, you know, and and, and, uh, the original uh, Trump conventions, uh, 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 campaign events, he only had his security team. He had no campaign staff. He didn't even have Hopix. He had Keith Schiller and a bunch of New York cops who were running his campaign thing for him, okay? Those are the first ones. Those are really scary. But then later on when he started having volunteers and stuff like that, it was a little bit, the, uh, well, you know what, it was just as chaotic. It was just chaotic. You, you couldn't get the, uh, any kind of support. Okay, and the Bernie events were, were better. Uh, well, quite a bit better. They were they run were more professional. Now, the Clinton ones, okay, like I said, one time we we attended a Bernie rally, it was a huge crowd. The next day, we went to a Hillary rally, and it was a tiny, no one showed up, okay? There was like nobody there. As a matter of fact, on the wall in the room, it said like uh, maximum occupancy 900, and even that room wasn't filled, and then suddenly all these union guys, union construction workers with hard hats and tool belts came in. I had no idea what they were doing there. They thought they were doing to construction, <laughs> okay? They were pulled off some job site and just brought in there to stand around and fill up the crowd. Now, I saw this. The local press saw this. No one reported on it but us. No one said a word about this. I was standing right next to the same people, the union workers. They were talking about how everything was all a, a mess, you know, and, and Hillary was late, and now was too late to go door knocking. And. The Las Vegas press was standing right there, seeing the exact same thing I saw. No one reported on this, okay? Again, also, too, there was a big rally right before the election. It was a big, big one, okay, with Hillary. This is after she won the nomination. And uh we covered that. And that was uh, so professionally run, it's mind-boggling. Like, the volunteer staff that she had, were like, you could tell they were like Harvard law grads. You know, these weren't like volunteers off the street. These were people, you know, were making $100,000 jobs. You know, you could tell by their clothes, by their suits. And when we checked in, you know, it was like, oh, what what press output are you with? Oh, they're trying to become your friend. (laughs) They got my card, you know. They were very personable with the press and they catered it too. They catered it with food. And, uh, um, so the press totally was kissing up to them. And, you know, after the event, you need a ride, you know, you need to ride back to the hotel. We, we got buses here to help with the, the press. You know, with the Bernie campaign, you had to pay to get on the bus, but they wanted to give us, give you Ubers and rides and stuff. They had, they had catering food. And at that event, uh, Hillary had these union thugs, okay, who were scouring the crowd and they grabbed a guy who had a, a Hillary for prison t-shirt on and they beat the crap out of him. Okay. And we're, we're the only ones too that have pictures of this. Uh, they beat the crap out of this guy and he ripped the shirt off his body and they dragged him out of there. And I, you know, they handed him over to the cops. But meanwhile, it was the guys who roughed him up who should have been arrested. Uh, but they weren't. Now, I even made a joke. <laughs> okay, you know, we were there. This is the one, too, where, where uh, Victoria has pictures of herself with all the people from CNN and stuff like that and MSNBC. And some of the pictures are on my Facebook page. Uh, but while I was broadcasting there from the event, and I'm right in the middle of these, you know, Tax, you know, they're all eating the free food and you know, getting their free rides back to the casino and stuff like that. And Hillary makes this comment about uh, <laughs> there's a line of people all the way around the block, and I said, Yeah, they're Haitians lined up to get their money back. <laughs> <laughs> the people makes me like look over, like who's this guy? Operative report. Who's he? Because <laughs> no one dared uh, to raise a peep, a negative peep about the Clintons. Uh, so that'll give you a little, a bit of an idea about uh, how the Clintons handle the press, with kid gloves and, and treat them like kings. If you enjoyed tonight's show with Juanita Broderick, JuanitaBroadrick.com, dot com, her book. You better put some ice on that. How I Survived Being Raped by Bill Clinton available on Amazon, only been out a week, barely out though, the inks go wet. Um, Check out our our section, the the member section at oppermanreport.com. If you enjoy these shows that we give it for free on Friday and Saturday and Sunday, Uh, support these shows by becoming a member of our member section where we have all kinds of additional content. I just did a 90-minute interview with Michael the Black Man. He's the guy you see for Blacks for Trump who stands behind Trump, and he was involved in this crazy cult, Yahweh Ben-Yahweh cult, involved in 15 murders. Uh, fascinating interview. It was a little hostile. The I was screaming at me. I, I put in 90 minutes of getting screamed at by this guy. I did it for you. <laughs> okay. So now you gotta, you gotta show your love and support back. OppermanReport.com. Join the member section and help support the show. And if you want to advertise here, let me tell you something. I made a little joke about the potato juice the other night. I've got a thousand emails about it. So if, if you want to advertise your website, your business, your event, shoot me a line at
0: OppermanReport.com.